0: This is a real official podcast. Trust me. When when you hear the millions of people that are going to be listening into this, you're going to be blown away. So um, anyway, you ready to start this podcast? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. Let's start the official. Uh, I think this is episode number five or six. So we're, we're getting up there in age already. Yes, that's, that's
1: lots of episodes on YouTube. Yes.
0: Welcome everyone to the Coffee Theology and Jesus Podcast. I am Tim Whitaker, and today, once again, I have another special host, a good friend of mine, Jesse Renault. Um, Jesse, say hello to all five of our listeners. Hello, everyone out there. <laughs> Actually, our last podcast we had about two hundred listeners. Wow! I know, I couldn't believe it. I don't know if I can handle that kind of an audience. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I think it, it was because of that—that uh, that Merry Christmas. Starbucks red cup uh, nonsense mm, that we talked about yes, but
1: that was big
0: it was it was so anyway um everyone thanks so much for for listening in I am upstate this week in Saratoga Springs visiting Jesse who's actually Jordan's brother so Jordan is one of the other hosts on the podcast yep. so um so I decided to to diversify a little bit and make a little trip. Keep up it here. in the
1: family but yes you know something new
0: <laughs> exactly exactly some uh, some more uh, wisdom so to speak cuz you are the older one so yes
1: um, older brother yeah
0: but we decided Sarah and I we we took a trip up here and
1: we come up here this is this is my personal fourth third time third in, time well maybe fourth overall but third time in the last year and a half
0: yes yes that is correct and um and it's definitely good to be up here for sure so um anyway yes yeah, so we came up here to visit and um you know a lot of times when I do this, um, I end up coming up to play uh, drums at your church. You know, So for those of you who don't know, and we're, we're going to get to this later on, um, I'm, I play drums pretty often for different churches. So, so Jesse gave me a call a couple of years ago and said, hey, why don't you come up and play? I said, yeah, let's do that. So ever since then, it's kind of like a little tradition for me to come up here and kind of get away because Saratoga is about only about four hours away from New Jersey. So it's the perfect kind of vacation because you're just far enough to where you're, you're, you're gone, yes, but yes. it's not like a big, you know, week and a half trip. So, which is nice. So it's
1: a perfect weekend trip.
0: Yes. From Jersey. Yes, exactly. So before we get any further, I want to get into what kind of coffee you have brewed for me today, Jesse. Is, is, this, is, this, is this a special Saratoga blend
1: or? This is not a special Saratoga blend, unfortunately. Okay. All right. This is a, it is a decent blend though it is a sumatran mm. organic Oh, fair okay trade, very good you know but just, uh Amazon special <laughs> from this a is, roaster, so it's pretty good. But yeah, it's not a, someone somewhere it's not too roasted old, it, you know. roasted these beans. Yes, I think actually, I think the roaster's in New Jersey, so Frenchtown, oh. New Jersey. Oh, okay, well, so, well, thank you very much. A little homage to you there. Uh, I
0: appreciate it. Thank you. It, actually, it's a very good cup of coffee. Um, I feel though that when you French press anything, it could be a couple Folgers and it tastes better than ever. So, better than. Than normal, other yes, juice, at least. Exactly, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so let's not
1: compare it to other things.
0: <laughs> well, there's a there's a coffee place that we discovered in Saratoga. What, what yes. was the name of it again? Saratoga Coffee Traders, and they uh, have this this quote unquote death wish coffee mm-hmm. that is apparently um, super um, super Highly high. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know if I fully <laughs> buy it, but I I guess I could. I'm no coffee officiato. I know some of you out there might be, but as far as I know, the more you roast the beans i thought the less caffeine there was but maybe that's just some myth that was started by someone in their basement no, and they must add it
1: somehow they claim four or six times the normal amount of caffeine oh Something my goodness yeah. wow
0: well Anyway, I, I had a cup. It was definitely good. It was good coffee. And they have a whole brand around it. They have, like, this: everything is Death Wish. It's like a skull yep. and crossbones, uh, like Insignia. And I wanted to buy a mug. It was cool. But it, was, it was like a $25 mug. <laughs> I was like, you know
1: what? Well, Maybe apparently not, they're doing so. pretty well because they're not the only game in town and they're still... Several good coffee shops. That's the thing about Saratoga. Saratoga.
0: It's very small business oriented, from Mm -hmm. what I found, which I love because it feels like, you know, everywhere you go, you're supporting someone's livelihood who lives in Saratoga. Yes. The money's not going to, you know, like a major chain or. I haven't even seen a Starbucks in here at all. There is
1: one actually downtown. Okay. But even them, they, you know, it looks like a local place and they've kind of tried to play up the local. Right. And it was a big deal when they first came into town. There was a bit of a. Uprising. They eventually accepted. Oh, yeah. Wow. Any of the chain stores. There's only a couple chain stores in the town at all. And it was kind of a pushback when they first came in. Get out of here. Yep.
0: Huh, I never knew that. Well, we've had a great time so far, and uh, I'm excited for uh, – for where are we going on Sunday? What's it called? Druthers?
1: Druthers.
0: Druthers. Yes. So let me tell everyone out there something. I'm a big <laughs> food guy. I'm half Italian, which really should be whole Italian at this point. But I love a good meal, and, and I love comfort food. Mm-hmm. So last time we were here, Jesse and Erica took us to Druthers, which is kind of like like a like – a, like um, a, a local, kind of, yeah, like yeah. a local brewery kind of feel. Yep. And one of those those kinds of places have kind of propped, uh, sprung up all over, at least the East Coast. I'm not sure how it's yes. been nationally. But it's, you know, it's all really good food and stuff. So anyway, so we got mm. an amazing appetizer, some kind of like pretzel bites that were yes. were great. Um, but cheese dip. Yeah, that, yeah, it was phenomenal. But then I got this mac, mac and cheese dish. I think I got the bar, uh, pulled barbecue pork. Uh, mac and cheese and yes. it came out on like on like a skillet it was huge and it lasted me into the next day like I had leftovers <laughs> and I never have leftovers so. nobody
1: eats a whole one in one meal uh, I yeah I could yeah, see
0: but... why it's huge and it's delicious yep. and I ever since then I can I couldn't wait to come back for a round number two so that's gonna happen this <laughs> so Sunday tomorrow. so tomorrow yep we're yeah. doing it after we feast. So anyway, well, again, Jesse, thanks for having Sarah and I up here and hosting us. It's been a blast. So exactly. I will also let everyone know if you hear children running around in the background, that's normal. We are in Jesse's living room, and my fiance is occupying the kids while we're doing this. So who knows what will happen in between now yeah. and then. So Just ignore um, it. Yeah, just just ignore it. Just enjoy it. You know, the sound of a child's laughter. So That's right. Anyway, well, Jesse, I, w- I wanted to have you on the show because, you know, you and I, I mean, we've known each other. I've known you longer than I've known Jordan, really, because yes, right. we met through um, an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship, yes. which is a, a nonprofit that has the goal of reaching every boy and girl with the gospel of Christ. So that's yep. how we got involved. We got involved through that in New Jersey, and that's how I met you. you I had to be, I mean, the first time I met you was, was before I was 14, because I remember that I, that I wasn't old enough to go. The training school,
1: yet, yes, but I still hung out with in your circles, yes. So, so we had some mutual friends that were also, yeah, involved in it with me, and so that's so how that we that's, first met. That's almost fifteen
0: years or sixteen, because if I was twelve or thirteen, and I'm twenty-seven now. Yep. Wow, that's
1: a long time. It is a long time. Okay. Soon.
0: Yeah. So you were just a babe, <laughs> an annoying one for <laughs> sure. Looking back, I don't know how I kept friends because <laughs> I was definitely an ADD, annoying child to deal with, but. I guess that was just grace in those moments. So um, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because uh, we're both musicians and you're actually a worship leader up here in Saratoga, right? Yes. So who do you lead worship for?
1: I am the worship leader for the Saratoga campus of a church called Grace Fellowship. We have four locations in this area. Our main location is down closer to Albany, um, but... I am the worship leader for the Saratoga location.
0: And how long have you been doing that?
1: At this church, yes. I have been there for just had my 2 year anniversary of right. being on staff.
0: That's pretty I, that's pretty exciting. I think I I played with you one of your one of the first times that you were with this church
1: over at the Half Moon campus? Yes, very early on one of the first times I was leading yeah. worship. Yes, you that, were up here. That right? was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You gave, you know, you had a good impression yeah. with people. Yeah, they yeah. were
0: impressed. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm honored. Um <laughs> You know, one of the reasons why I want I wanted to go into this topic is because you know we're both musicians. I've been playing music. I mean, I I started playing drums when I was twelve, and uh, I never really stopped since. And I've had the opportunity to play with a lot of different churches um, on the East Coast, um, in New Jersey specifically, but also some in New York. I've been able to play at churches in New York City, and um, you know, just all around over over the years, you just kind of accumulate just all these places you've played, because people have asked you to play over time. Um, Especially being a drummer, you really have to rely on word of mouth and how people, if if they think of you or not, because I can't advertise myself as just a drummer to a church. It doesn't really go too far. Yeah, you're
1: you're second or third on the totem pole. Yeah,
0: and that's just the way it goes. For better or worse. Yeah, for, for better or for worse. But you and I are pretty passionate musicians who have spent a lot of time really pursuing our craft and... Um, it's something that we take seriously, but I wanted to talk about today, just kind of like what your perspective is on music and the church. Um, I know, I know that you and I have talked a ton about this You know, without being recorded, but I wanted to have this conversation and record it because I think it's an important conversation to have, especially where we are now as a church culture Um, and just some of like the thoughts that we've thought about regarding how do we do music in church? Where's the line of performance in worship? How does that look, and all those kinds of things? So, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you is, why don't you give us kind of a little like background as to what got you into music in the first place, and kind of your journey with that uh, to where you are now up here in Saratoga?
1: Yeah, be happy to. Um, yeah, for me, my uh, uncle showed up one day and handed my brother and I a guitar when we were fourteen. We we're twin. I have a twin brother, and uh, he showed up one day and handed us the guitar, and we'd never even thought about it before, but because he gave us one, we started playing. And that was, you know, rough and ugly for a while, but (laughs) it's what got me into it. And, uh, um, you know, never took lessons or anything until I was quite a bit older, but just kept doing it. And very quickly for me, it was the church world was where I was doing music, you know, so I quickly was in the youth group um, soon after that. And my youth leader at the time was a drummer. (laughs) And uh, so we quickly started a, you know, kind of a youth worship band and I ended up being kind of the lead vocal for that as well as playing guitar. Um, And so that was just kind of, I kind of fell into it over time initially, for sure. I never really, even being the lead singer in the worship, the youth worship band was not something that I decided or pursued. It was just kind of, oh, well, Jesse, you sing the best, so you should do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Kind of fell into
1: it, it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Um, And somewhat it's kind of continued that way. Uh, I don't know at that time. Even after doing that for a couple years as a teenager, and we had the opportunity at that point to play out at a couple different you know youth retreats and a couple different churches, and got to play in our own church a significant amount. Um, but even at that point, I don't know if you'd asked me if I would have said, "Yeah, I'm going to be a worship leader," or even, "Yeah, I'm going to be a musician." I'm not sure that that's really at that point. I had that certainly not a sense of calling, an interest, but not like where I was oh yeah, this is what I want to pursue.
0: How about in ministry? Did you have a calling you felt like early on for ministry as a whole, or was that not even really something that you that you thought about?
1: I would say in that time period when I was doing that was probably as I was starting to sense more of a general call to ministry, and I always had a great interest in um, serving kind of in the church, and I always loved just the local church expression of things. At the same time, being involved in some parachurch organizations as well, also getting even musical experience through that. I mean, even, that's just a side note, but um, most, a lot of what I initially learned about worship and worship leading was some friends, from friends who were worship leaders, and they were part of that same organization that you and I were part of, yeah. Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, some really good friends, and who taught me a ton about yeah, um, kind true. of this new, you know, the time period was interesting, <laughs> too. It was still, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, the, I'm not, you know, I'm we're still young enough, obviously, but old enough that uh, we've seen some of the transition even of a lot of churches from maybe an older, simpler style to more of a um, contemporary, for lack of a better word, yeah. musical yeah. approach to uh, to worship in the church. Um, so learned a lot through that experience as well. But um, yeah, so the call to ministry kind of developed over that time too as I was involved in some things and getting some opportunities. Um, and then the musical side of that really came, uh, again, just I got asked... After I graduated high school, got asked to come up here to New York, actually, and serve as a volunteer worship leader for a large youth ministry, and took that opportunity. Was up here for a couple years, and that's kind of where it really started to develop into something more like, yeah, I think I could do this, and I think I want to do this. Mm. Um, I love, you know, I've always, I always loved the music and the band side of it. But that was when it first started to click that maybe this is something I could actually pursue um, and and definitely wanted to at that point. Um, And so out of that, I ended up getting my first uh, part-time staff position at a church back in New Jersey. So uh, I moved back to South Jersey and served at a church there for about eight years, Um, got married just in the beginning of that time. And so we lived there for eight years. Served as a worship uh, with a great group of musicians down there, and even though it was a small church, we had this crazy uh, percentage of hmm. good musicians yeah. in a small church, which was all, was just a great thing. I mean, multiple other worship leaders even, besides myself, who were really gifted worship leaders that I got to, you know, work with. Um, and then, yeah, so two years ago, or three years ago now maybe, we started feeling like God was calling us elsewhere, and... That's how we ended up moving here, which Saratoga is my wife's hometown, so that's why we kind of ended up here in this position. this church was starting, and this has kind of been a whole new phase for me as I know we you and I've talked about a lot uh, a lot of the dynamics of being in a you know uh, more established bigger kind of church context and what that ends up meaning a lot of times for music and music technology and click tracks and all this stuff, which we you know we could talk about some of that but um, that's kind of been my journey. For me, the worship leading, um, the church, and ministry have always been very much intertwined with my musical journey. So I've gotten a lot of the opportunities I've gotten to do music even that have been maybe even more, maybe more creative or you no, know, not just, you know, kind of the rhythm of Sunday to Sunday have still been within some kind of ministry context, whether that's people I've met through ministry opportunities or, you um, you know, for retreats or conferences, that kind of thing.
0: How has how has being up here challenged you? Because I know that we have talked about this at, at length, even in the past, throughout the past decade of knowing each yeah. other. I feel like we've both been on a similar journey in that sense of kind of when, you know, being part of smaller churches and really enjoying that and kind of having a hard time with some of these bigger churches that do productions and a more concert style level of worship and also just for the record uh, I have no desire to name any names because that's not the point you know so we're we're just gonna keep it very vague but people will know just just the idea of what we're talking about because it's very mainstream as far as what we see on YouTube and the music that we're uh, uh, emulating we see where it's coming from right so so you and I talked a lot about that and, and kind of how like we didn't really know if we were comfortable with some of those things, but then here you are now in this worship position that isn't necessarily to that scale, but definitely to some extent on that level. How has that challenged and also changed some of your perspective coming from, you know, a a small church in South Jersey now to a bigger, really a satellite church um, of, of a much bigger church and leading their worship to the point where it's timed out almost down to the minute because you have to beam in the pastor, you know, to do the sermon.
1: Yeah, it's been a really big uh, shift for me in a lot of ways. Well, I would say on one hand, it's been a large shift and a big paradigm shift for me. But on the other hand, there's been a lot of, you also see the lot of continuity because I think there's even, a and I've seen this and I think I've been guilty of this, um, and maybe you've probably seen it too as you've um, played and been involved in more churches, et cetera. There's kind of this, oftentimes if you're in a small church, there's this anti-big church stigma, (laughs) and that's certainly true in the worship setting as well. Um And then the same can be true elsewhere you know in the other sense, where if you 're part of a larger congregation that 's your norm, and that 's how you you know see the the world that 's what you think oh if it 's large, that must mean it 's good, and that means it 's growing you know there 's all these things we assume yeah, about that right right, and so you can sometimes look down on the smaller church expression um, and I have always been more of a bridge builder and trying to see the other you know other people 's perspectives, so I was never would say that I was Anti, the bigger church expression. You definitely
0: were never as militant as I am or was when it, in regards in anything, to some of the mega. Yeah. Ch- <laughs> in regards to some of the the mega churches, yes, you're probably right, Jesse. Probably in any regard, but especially in this one, because yes. I can think about it many times where I'm just ranting, and you're like, "Can you just calm down and breathe?" And I'm like, "How can I breathe?" The agency, how wrong this is. So, I definitely would agree with with, with that assessment. Yes. So,
1: but there are also, in the same time, there are strengths and weaknesses of. I th- or at least natural ones and tendencies of being in a smaller church setting or a larger church setting. Um, and so for me, I I had a unique small church experience, I would say, too. Like I said, and I've shared with you before, we ha- at one time I had about 20 to 25 people on the worship team, so all musicians, singers, and we only had a- around 100 people in the church. So I had 20 to 25% of the congregation on the worship team. And not you know, not everyone was an amazing musician by any stretch, but there were some really solid musicians and definitely some very gifted other leaders. So it was just this weird concentration of people. Um, so I I think I had an, a, in terms of maybe the musical quality, which, you know, uh, in a small church can really vary because you've you really got to kind of work with what you've got, which is an interesting dynamic too and something I could talk about for a while. Um, but... Ha- I didn't have the typical experience, maybe, of a ch- church that size, for sure. Um, so I, I really was blessed to be able to work with and even be challenged by musically some really other strong musicians and worship leaders. So transitioning to here, the setting has been very different. Where, yes, we're a satellite location, so we have um, the sermon most weeks is shown on video. Uh, it's not live, so we do have some flexibility. Uh, which is which is actually a nice hybrid. I mean, I understand that some people would prefer to do that live, but besides the obvious technological challenges of that... Definitely. Um, yes, it's uh, us being able to uh, start the recording when we choose to gives us a lot more flexibility, a lot more as if it would be in any other church. And I would say, I mean, I'll maybe brag on my church a little bit, but at, in terms of the multi-site models that they are out there these days, which are all new... Yes, none of them been have been around very long or been tested very much, um, but in terms of the ones that I know of and the way that we operate at my church, I find it to be a really nice balance of um, support and resourcing from the church as a whole and continuity as well from having you know everybody seeing the same sermon every week, etc. But also uh, the autonomy of having. You know, ministry is really happening at a local level, and we have uh, a lead pastor, et cetera, and and staff, and um, that if if it wasn't for the sermon being on a recording, you might not even know that it was part of a larger church because of the just the way that it's, it's Saratoga uh, Grace Fellowship has its own expression, and it feels like its mm. own expression. Um, and it feels pretty different from our other locations too
0: yeah you know it 's interesting that you were talking a minute or two ago about how you had a very unique um, small church experience where you had a lot of people who were musicians and were also solid musicians because yeah. for me, of course, I had the opposite experience. I probably had the more normal one of a congregation of about maybe two hundred to three hundred, and the worship team kind of becoming this like um, this like oh we can 't you know you sang one day when you were a child and you said you can sing so yeah join join the team and and just pick up an instrument and just start strumming and singing and it became really more of kind of like um uh, kind of you know like the misfits almost in in, in a really weird way and and look and and i'm grateful for that because i was one of them right i I, I certainly the opportunity right i certainly didn't walk on the stage at 14 and start you know playing as a solid drummer that 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 took time and I mean, really, I got I used Sunday mornings as my practice all those years looking yep. back, but that doesn 't mean that it, that it was right <laughs> <laughs> and and so i was was on that other side of it where the older I got and as I continued to progress as a musician just because I was so passionate about it, um, people did not, and they kind of stayed where they were and it, it became apparent to me that. On that level, on that side of things, on on the musical side of those of some of those churches, and it could be said for some of the bigger churches as well. But usually, it's more with the you know medium to small sized churches. Yes. Um, it became like their one day of of rock stardom kind of feel, where they would just walk on, and you know they you know people would never practice the songs, or they wouldn't even practice their own instrument, and they only knew the, the you know four or five different chords and a few a few things here or there, and that's kind of where they stayed. There was no progression or or sense of excellence. In the leading of a congregation with musical worship, so I grew up in on that end of it, and then as I, I progressed and started playing with, with different rock bands and my own band at one point, that really focused on just you know a lot of odd, odd stuff, you know, odd time signatures and stuff that I just really fell in love with that was so challenging. Um, I would come back to the church and be like, "Man, what's going on here? Why are we fail- why are we kind of lackluster as a whole?" Um, as as a as a church whole and why are we not on the forefront of just the arts in this sense? Because if we claim to know the God of the universe, you know, why aren't we pouring some of that creativity into these local establishments? So that was my experience, which was which was quite opposite yeah. of yours. And so I think on my on my end, I almost became kind of jealous a little bit of some of the bigger churches that had these really great teams, great production, and they were musicians. I mean, you know, I look at some of those guys that are kind of coming out with songs that we we play. Um, they're well written songs. I definitely couldn't think of some of those things, and they're well thought out, and they're well orchestrated, and they're lyrically solid, and then they're performed live. Extremely well, also, yep. and then they're 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 produced really well. So I see this other side of it where I'm like, man, I wish I can do that. Uh, that would be great. But my rub, and I, and I know that we're going to get there eventually. My rub is that, well, can I call that worship? You know, and that's something yeah. that we'll get into. But anyway, just to kind of say that I had a very different experience yep. to that compared to what you had growing up.
1: Well, and even though I had the maybe the strong concentration of strong musicians at you know the church that I was at before where I am now it was um, there was still definitely some of the dynamics of a small church environment because that 's the reality is that as a smaller church, you have to work with who you have and you have to make decisions about what you, the music what is the underlying principles that would guide the music and the larger expression of worship in the church and I think a lot of churches, and this is why there's this kind of dichotomy even, is because a lot of times in the church, we're not even sure, I think we don't even really know why we're doing music, yes. or why we're using it. You know, you mentioned a lack of excellence, a lacklusterness to the music, et cetera, you know, not necessarily taking it seriously or thinking that it should be anything creative or a, you know a good expression whereas at different times in the history of the church as we all know the church was on the leading edge of creativity and you know a lot of what we understand even of western music came out of the church absolutely so right and so in many ways it's like well why can't we be that today and but i think there is a important tension that actually is part of the reason that is the case that's not all bad and that's just that In the church setting, it's not just music for music's sake. Uh, It's music with another purpose as well. And so there's this one side where you have music as a way, a vehicle for the gathered body of Christ to praise God, to express our praise to Him, to you know, remind ourselves of who he is, just to even sing together and the power that's in that. Um, and so that's this one side where it's this unique corporate thing that that's not there uh, in other musical settings. Even, you know, you could go to a concert where people get into it and sing along, but that's different yeah. by definition than what we would understand is really going on when the church gathers to worship together. Uh, and of course, underlying all this conversation, you and I both know, um, is that worship is obviously way larger than music. Music is sure. a very important, very valid, obviously, biblically expression of worship. Um, and uh, and all throughout the Bible, it's even commanded, and even in the New Testament, that this is a way that the church should express worship, for right. sure. Right, right. So not to diminish the role of music, but just to, you know, we of course need to keep in mind that right. music... Is a, is a, it's a tool and it's a vehicle of that.
0: Worship is not synonymous with music. Yes, You know, exactly. it's definitely a vehicle for that, but it has become, in our culture, synonymous. We, people think worship, yes. they definitely default to music
1: first. And I'll say that's actually, I think, part of the problem. Um, and even in this, where we have this two, two realities, like I said, one where we have this unique expression of what music functions as in the gathered church expression, but then you also have the other side where music is a gift from God, and it's something that he's gifted people with, and like any gift, it's something that they can and should develop. Um, and so it, and it, there's an element of creativity and reflecting the creativity of God that should be there, like in, in any of the arts. The church in general has not done a great job in um, modern times of appreciating and making use of the gift of God that is Art at all. Um,
0: so, well, in many cases, they've, they've tried to really shun it. I mean, that's I grew up in the Christian bubble for better or for worse. And it was usually either here's the Christian alternative, and it was usually three years behind, uh, either stylistically or even even production-wise. And there definitely has been a big resurgence with that, which has been great. I feel like the church has been catching up to even live recording technology. I mean, I almost feel like in a lot of ways the church is on the the forefront of that. Especially live recording. Exactly. That live recording thing um some of those people out there who were in the worship scene they really record amazing stuff and it sounds you, sometimes you can't even tell is this live or is this a yep. studio um so there definitely has been progress made but back in the day especially it was like well here's like a here's like like a substitute for like a, a cleaner or whatever you want to call it version of music and yes. in a lot of ways it was just kind of a like like, like a cookie cutter a cardboard cutout well, of the real and, thing
1: and that's the reality like all art music is very reflective of the realities of life, and music often has you know, musical expression um, you know is so tied into emotion and um, you know just the human experience i mean songwriting is like you know a voice to yeah. as as all art can be sure. a voice to express just the human experience mm. and so that's messy and you know in the church we 've not always we don 't like messiness because mm. you know we too many times were're um, thinking that you know we have a certain look or we supposed to have it all together and very you know those misconceptions about what it means to even be a Christian or be a church be a church as if uh, we 're supposed to be perfect already mm-hmm. um, but because of that, because of those tensions even of these different things that music really is, so it 's an art and it should be, and so I think that's been pushed out of the church and pre, especially in. Recent generations, like you said, kind of making a resurgence recently, which is really exciting, but kind of the art side of it was pushed out or pushed down in favor of just the, this is a way for us to express praise to God kind of thing. Well, absolutely. Which allows for, you know, it to be... Relegated just to it doesn't really matter the quality. It's only the heart that matters exactly. Especially then when you have maybe a like we said a small church, large church thing where a smaller church is maybe looking at a larger church that does have good or high quality music, you know, excellent because they obviously have access to uh, stronger musicians. And so the smaller church is looking at that and saying, um, there maybe there's something wrong about that and. We're just you know we're true, we're more pure, so we're just gonna we're gonna make a joyful noise, even if it's noise,
0: right, well, I think it comes down to that judging of the heart, well, our hearts are pure, yeah, maybe we don't have the biggest talent, but our hearts are pure, but theirs definitely can't be because there's a thousand people that they're in front yes. of or they have lights or whatever it is, um but I think you really nailed it on the head with that um that issue of um you know just the reason for that lackluster um, kind of, well, we're making joyful noise kind of mentality because I think we did suck out the art and that, that desire to want to be excellent in what we do. Really, it's funny because... You know, I heard um, some churches the way that they operate, and this is—I'm just making this is some imaginary church. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I've heard churches that will kind of see the worship team as like an entry point for people to get involved in ministry, yes. and they'll kind of throw them on and kind of let them develop and kind of let them make mistakes. But in my opinion, that's like the worst idea ever. Because think about it like this: you would never have someone who had the who uh, who wanted to speak and, and teach a sermon get up on stage, even if he was terrible, and teach a sermon. You know, that's maybe right. he's, maybe he's a little theologically. Accurate, but he's just learning. Well, no one would ever say that. Right. That would be that'd be terrible, and. You know anyone in that congregation would say no this is what is going on here then how can we treat the worship team that way where it's like well you know let's yeah let's go ahead and, and let so-and- so on they haven't played in 10 years but this would be a good growing experience well at what expense at the expense of of the team and getting really frustrated with that person at the expense of the congreg- congregation being distracted by someone who can't hit certain notes or can't play certain beats or yep. can't you know can't lock in with someone I mean just some sometimes it's just music 101 that's lacking and I've definitely been in several of those situations where I'm sitting here and I'm thinking what is going on it's it's it sounds so messy and no one's saying anything because we're too afraid or we don't want to be rude but all in reality we're just you know it comes down to if you can play, then we want you know. If, if you can play and you understand the heart of worship, or you're willing to understand more, yeah, by all means. But this is not like a practice space where you can kind of get your feet wet and you know, hopefully, you hit the right notes. But if not, no big deal. I think that's a, a, not a good way to look at that because of the importance that music can have and what it signifies. You know, if someone if a if a group of people is leading a congregation into the presence of God in that in that spirit in that musical sense that's a very big responsibility to have on yeah. your shoulders and so you would want to have people on the stage or on in in that in that circle that knew how to do that as a unit instead of having a group of people who their mentality is well i get to play once a week now you know and oh yeah i practice the songs but i don't understand what's really happening
1: well and that a lot of that does come back to also just some of what we've you know the church i think in the western world at least or in america at least has experienced in the last couple decades is just this transition from what you know is described as a more traditional style of music used in worship, so maybe a piano or an organ, and you're just singing, you know, what we think of as hymns, to now um, a movement to modernize uh, the music and to have maybe more of a full band, and so there's this kind of unspoken expectation that to be effective or to be spiritual or to have quote-unquote good worship means you need to have a worship team or a worship band, and you have to uh, play these, you know, newer songs, etc. And that's really a misconception, because if if we're honest about worship, especially thinking about the role that music plays in worship, not music being worship, but music being a part of, you know, an expression of it, then the small church, in my opinion, would be better served to have the gifted piano player lead songs by themselves unless you you have basically, like I referenced earlier, working with what God has given you. Mm. So if you have a couple of really strong musicians in your church that can lead music well, whether that's one or whether it's five, then you should take what God has given you and be a good steward of it. And maybe, yes, maybe develop people over time, but, you know, don't use the the Sunday morning corporate gathering as your testing ground. Right.
0: As your experiment. That's <laughs> yes, you right, know? exactly. Hope
1: this works. And especially not doing that because you, you're looking at a larger church or you're looking at other churches thinking, oh, we need to have worship like that. That's going to help our church. You know, I've heard of numerous churches where, for a whole number of reasons, obviously, the church is in de- what would be described as decline, and they look to music and changing their musical expression as if that's going to be like the salvation of their church. It's going to cause their church to grow. Oh, we need to have contemporary worship. (laughs) Or more modern or or more
0: lights or more energy. Right, but
1: honestly, if that stuff is done poorly, it's probably going to hurt you more than help you, Right. for one. And two, that's just not what makes worship good anyway. (laughs) Right,
0: if that's what what you're using to attract people is how produced and how, you know... um, how how much uh, your your band can mimic you know some of these bigger bands yes. that we see, um, and you have the light show to back it up. That's a terrible motive and a terrible way to get people into um, a church building, not even to the church, sure. but to a church building. And you know this is something that I really wrestle with as a musician because on one side I am all about excellence i want to play to a click i want to have a great mix i want to have my in your monitor sounding perfect you know i want to know that my that that the band i'm playing with is tight and that we're nailing every note and that we're dynamic those are things as a musician i want all the time i want to play with people who who get it as well i want to play with someone who is thinking on that on that big song picture and wants to hit all those little details that make up that beautiful song on the other side, oh, and I, I should also mention, uh, mention on that same side, I want to have the lights and I want to have this. Big, I do like I, I you know, listen. I, I grew up dreaming of being a musician full time. I mean, that, yep. that that's what that's where my heart is. I want. I I would love to tour of the world, just playing music all day in front of thousands of people. That's just yep. what I love to do. So uh, that's just me being honest that I want those things. But the other side of it is I have a hard time taking some of those aspects and squeezing them into a Sunday morning service. I don't know if having this huge fog machine, light produced, you know... um, almost kind of like overly energetic band on stage, jumping up and down and, you know, singing, singing songs that really theologically aren't even that sound. Right. Um, and, and getting people amped up emotionally. I don't know if that's a good idea. And I hate that. I, I think that because I would much rather just say, well, no, this is fine. And not think about it. Do. Right. Right. I mean, I want to be, I want to play in front of 3000 people every time I play. I mean, what musician doesn't, especially when you've been doing it for 15, 16, 17 years. Yep. And you know, you know, and, you know, it's the same thing with you, Jesse. You know that we can play on that level just because we've been doing it for so long. I mean, right. you know, I mean, how many songs can you hear, you know, like, uh, uh you know, when, when the song mighty to save came out, a great song, I heard it played every way. I heard it played the rock way, the slow way, the reggae version, you know, I mean, yeah. I could play that song backwards and forwards and you kind of hit those rhythms of that worship scene. Um, so anyway, so th- that's where I wrestle though, because I think, okay, on a concert level, these things are fine. If I said, hey, I'm going to play this concert and we're going to just do it up and it's, the songs are going to be actually worshipful as well but it's a concert, that's one thing. But to produce to produce that every Sunday and to say this is what church looks like, yes. this is what the, the, the corporate church gathering should look like for everyone, that's where I really get stuck.
1: And, and I think that's the biggest problem with that is that it perpetuates this myth that that's what worship should be. So it, I think it helps to perpetuate the myth that music equals worship, um, but it also, I think, helps perpetuate the myth that, you know, that's what, you know, for some somehow that's what every church should aspire to, and that, that really shouldn't even be the goal. And I think big part of the reality here is that both Christian musicians and churches need to realize that there is kind of this tension of what the role music plays in the church. And we're never going to fully get beyond that tension as much as we want, you know, we want to bring all these things in as the musician side of us. We want these things, Uh, you know, the things that we know help make music good and quality. Um, So whether that's production or, uh, you know, a level of musicianship, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. But we, I think there's an important thing for the musician in that setting to realize this is the church that I'm doing this as part of. So, should the music in the church strive within its ability to be creative and to be, you know, to maybe even say something new musically, even if you're using the same songs? I should think those are great values to have. But at the same time, I think musicians need to recognize that if they're looking for ultimate creativity and ultimate uh, musicianship and ultimate production, you know, if they're looking at basically the just music in the world as a whole and right. what that looks like. Yeah. And they're looking at that as their model for what they want to be able to experience uh, as a musician in the church setting. They need to realize, wait, there's a tension here. And this, yes, some of those things can be part of this, but that's not the whole story when it comes to music in the church. Right. And so I think there's a responsibility of the musician to kind of realize there's, there's that tension there. And maybe, I mean, what I would do and have done with people in the past Is who are maybe struggling feeling that music in the church that they're serving in is not creative enough or not um, maybe even not there musically because maybe they're just a better musician than the average one in their church. But that's not to say things are poor, just that maybe they're not feeling challenged. But to that person, (laughs) I say, well, you should join a band. You should pursue another outlet for that as well. Absolutely. And you'll help the church on multiple levels. One, you'll get better but you 'll also probably have a humbler attitude towards your role in the church, yes, if this is not your only musical expression, so that 's probably one of my biggest encouragements to musicians, you know people who are that 's how they 're wired and that 's you know that 's something they 're passionate about is don 't let them, unless the setting is just right in the in your church that 's probably not going to be your best to be your only outlet music yeah, style.
0: I mean well you know something that I say a lot is that there 's a difference between a guitar player and a musician. There's a difference between a drummer and a musician, you know, singer and musician. And there are a lot of guitar players and bass players and singers that you can find in any church body, there are fewer musicians, people, yes. who, are, are, who, people who go home and practice their scales, people who go home and practice their <laughs> rudiments, you know, yes. who... Enjoy, for, and enjoy those Enjoy things. it, yeah, who want to just push themselves. Usually they're high-challenge people. That's just, how they're, that's just how they're wired. They want to go home. They want to hit the pad. They want to hit the guitar. They want yep. to make sure that, 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 that their notes are right. They're the ones who want to record everything to hear it back and make sure that, hey, how do we actually sound? Yes. And for those people, I completely agree with you, Jesse. You want to find some other creative outlet to get out
1: those creative flows because –
0: Basically, most churches are really just just glorified cover bands.
1: Most churches are not yes. writing their own stuff. And I could talk for a while on that, uh, too, I know, whole, I know. Th- this, that's actually this, something we probably should embrace a little more in this, the church.
0: This is, pr- uh, what, what, the idea of covering or the idea of writing your own stuff?
1: No, well, I would say both those things. The reality that the church worship <laughs> band is basically a cover band. I don't think that's bad in and of itself. Sure. Sure. Um, so there, there's both sides of that. The church, yes, can be a creative expression and probably should be more so, but there's also this other side of that, too, where we are, and there's nothing wrong with using other people's music for this purpose because music plays this dual role in the church. Yeah. So using other people's music, well-written songs, and especially yes. even time-tested songs, yes. that's why hymns, the good ones, never lose their power. Absolutely, because they're, they're wonderful. Yes, so And the ones we have today are the ones that have stood the test of time, too, because there was obviously thousands and thousands more of them written that we don't sing anymore. Yeah, right. So that's the same case with songs today. But, you know, that should be the case. Um, so there's nothing wrong, and it's even good to be using this, this you know, those good songs in the church written by others, uh, maybe even ones that have been done a lot, because that can serve the other purpose of music in the church really well.
0: That's right. I agree. Yeah, so you're right. That could be a whole other podcast. In fact, all these things, we can we can take a whole podcast yes. on. Um, but yeah, for any musician out there, find a group um, or just start creating. I mean, for drummers, it's tough. You really need, you need at least one other person to start something with. Um, but for the guitarist out there, the musician out there who plays a stringed instrument, just start, you know, start doing something because it is a great creative outlet. I mean, I think about my band when I was younger. Boom, younger, uh, in my 20s still, but you know, a couple years ago, Red Sea Affair, that was such a creative outlet for me. I was playing music that I could never play in church. It was by far the most challenging band of my entire life, and I'm a better player because of it. Yep. You know, having a guitarist who really, and this is no exaggeration, has a hard time writing in 4 4. He really <laughs> did. I mean, I watched him do it. He would think of the most complicated way to express a certain riff before he got yes. to 4 4. You
1: had to try to rein him in to right. Make sense.
0: Exactly. Right, exactly. So working with someone like that, um, it really pushes you it pushed me writing in seven and writing in a bar of nine then a bar of four i mean it was it was crazy you know um but anyway i say that because i couldn't agree with you more the importance of finding a creative outlet um you know it's funny you were mentioning something earlier just about um how sometimes when when we look up to some of these other big productions these other these other either churches or now just full-on bands that are started from a church and now are signed to a record label i feel like it's kind of like in, in a weird sense it's kind of like how um you know something that we talk about a lot is um, realizing that that how Hollywood uh, portrays uh, romance is not really the real thing. Yep. And I feel like that's a great analogy. That's true. Because how—and they don't mean to. I mean, I, I don't doubt the sincerity of many of these uh, people, of their hearts for the Lord, but we see such a polished, refined, well-thought-out production i mean the musical mixing the video shooting those yep. things people the average joe has no idea how much work goes into those things That's right or money or especially the money you know most churches don't have these humongous budgets and at this point a lot of these bigger bands that are leading the worship charge are signed to a label and are making money you know off That's album right. sales as well so it's not just church funded anymore but i say that because i think that I've fallen for that trap as well as, you know, I've seen something on YouTube or seen some amazingly done, well done video and song and it's mixed so well and it's in a quote unquote live setting and I kind of, you know, I kind of bite, you know, I I, I kind of eat the carrot, you know, I'm like, oh, um, wow, th- that's how it must sound like all the time. That's how that's how their body. That's how their worship must sound all the time. But really, it's kind of like a fantasy version yes, of that. that's that. And then so I put those expectations on a local church, and I'm like, oh, these guys just can't sing right, or that guitar tone's terrible. Well, it's not being it's not being produced, and it's not being you know mixed through a million different settings yep. and plugins and all that stuff. So
1: well, and that's I think that's where that's,
0: that, that's tricky.
1: That's where the you know you gotta go back to what is the goal, and what is the purpose of music, what is the role the music plays in the worship expression of a local church, you know, especially the regular gatherings of the local church, and that stuff has to always inform our values for music and for worship, so we can't, again, it's not necessarily anything wrong. I'm of the personal opinion that both the small church, maybe one per couple people in a A group that are leading simple songs, simple arrangements can certainly be just as pure and valid and even meaningful expression of worship for sure in a corporate setting. But I think so can the big produced, exciting, you know, that I don't think that is automatically bad or wrong. Um, And so I think both of those, that whole spectrum can have valid expression it's yeah. really realizing maybe the da- some of the dangers of either side, either extreme of that, uh, and maybe the tendencies, you know, and, and yes, kind of like you said, living in some of those tensions that this might not fulfill all my musical dreams as a musician if I'm not in sure right. you know that right. big church that can do that, right? Um, and then also I think the tension for the churches is to recognize that. They don't, their worship is not supposed to look like something else that another church is doing. That's right. And that that's no key to growth or key to, and that's not, you know, I'm sure you've talked about this in other podcasts, that, you know, that's not what the point of the church is anyway. I mean, that's it. We think about discipleship or, you know, kind of the deeper foundational responsibilities of the church. Yes. Um,
0: It's just, it's amazing how, how, much this certain side of the church life has exploded the, the this particular art form the music industry so to speak in the church has I mean it's it's blown up a lot of ch- quite a few churches have come out with some amazing albums that that the church as a whole has taken on I mean I think one of them that you and I both love is um, Mighty King Forever um, by Elevation uh, Worship, King I'm Forever. sorry, Only King Forever by Elevation Worship. That's a great album. I mean, top to bottom, I I love it. I love the way yep. it's mixed. I love the way it's recorded. I love the I love the the songs. Song writing, yep. I love the 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 tones. I love the drumming on it. I mean, I, it's truly a phenomenal album, and it's in my opinion very theologically accurate and sound. Um, but I have a hard time because I think that honestly, Jesse, and it's something that, I mean, I can't speak for all the musicians out there in the church, but. I mean that's I what I struggle with is jealousy. I see that and I'm like, I want that. (laughs) I want to be on that stage. I can do what that drummer's doing. I can do it better, you know? (laughs) But and and then I I overlook the whole point of it anyway. Um, and I I want, I want, I want to be there. And then I start getting almost kind of resentful. I start thinking, well, I can do that. And why why haven't I been doing that? And man, my life kind of feels worthless now, you know. And I've had those moments where I sit there, I'm just kind of like man, I'm 27. I've never been on a big record like that. Like, man, what am I even doing with my life? Well, I mean, honestly, it sounds silly when you say it out loud, but those are thoughts that I think a lot of musicians have had to wrestle with is they see other guys in the church who love the Lord, who... Write amazing stuff, and it's like, wow, like I want that. How do I do that? And then when it doesn't happen, we feel like we're kind of stuck, we're, we feel almost kind of a little useless, frankly. But it's a terrible way to judge. <laughs> and you know, like at mm-hmm. that point, you're really judging by the world's definition of success and not yes, by yes. at all by God's standard of success. But it's a very hard thing to fight against because we live in a very Hollywood fame and fortune kind of. Um, Culture where, you know, if someone has a million views on YouTube, that's kind of their validation that they are something. Um, As a musician, I feel like we, especially ones who have the dream of always wanting to play and always. You know, i 'll tell you what man you you pay you know, we said this last night, joking around, if anyone wants to pay us to write an album, we can definitely write an album. I that's promise right, and it'll yeah. be a darn good one you know yeah exactly Guaranteed. we 'll we'll come out with with a few hits for you but but honestly that's that 's part of it as well is that you really wrestle with that as a player because you think man that 's my dream These, and, and it 's a great scene I mean, from what I can tell, you know the, being able to play worship music all day and leading people into worship wow, what a life, right? Yeah. And of course, you kind of glamorize it. I'm sure there's hard, I'm sure there's, there's hardships. I'm sure it's yep. not all just, you know, rainbows and butterflies. But when that's all you see, it's
1: hard to fight against that mentality. For that's sure. true. And this plays, I think, also into a particular um, battle that I think artists as a whole, Christian artists, need to recognize is that our tendency in, as any artist is to maybe more than the average person identify our Gifting ability with our identity, and so I talked to this about to this about this to all of my new band members at the church, and just that you know that's why you know it can be hard to take critique that's why you know people can get upset if you want them to play a little differently you know as a worship leader, I experienced this for sure because i got i got i i'm a band leader you know so yeah. i've got to tell people yeah. how to play their instrument sometimes for the sake of the song and for the sake of the church. Um, and they may be better, inst- better right. positions than I am. Right. So there's a whole dynamic there where I need to make sure I have the respect of people and you know have the right culture. I mean, my goal is certainly create a culture on a worship team where it's more friendly and familial than uh, business, you know, or a gig. So uh, when you have the right foundations, it gets easier to do. But still, just this idea that it's easy to get jealous because. We want that for ourselves. Again, yes. we start to identify, and our culture makes it even worse. These definitions of success, yes, and that is very personal to us because we, you know, even our craft is very tied into how we see ourselves. We don't we see yourself as a drummer like that's part right. of your identity, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, I put a lot cool of time challenge. in, you know, exactly. you know just, just like you. Yep.
0: I mean, with fifteen years of playing. I mean I we, we you and I can share stories for days about gigs that we played that have grown us, all the practice we we, we put in to get on a certain level where we could yes. be on that we could be in that public limelight in that sense and we would sound just like anyone else in that same spot. You know, we when you put that time in it's hard not to get resentful, and then you kind of get angry at God a little bit. You're kind of like, uh, God, I, you gave me this talent, and I'm doing nothing with it. But you're not seeing it, you know. Like you're not, you don't have the same eyes that God has, and you don't see what you're doing in your local area. Like, yep. you know, I've been, I've had, um, I've been really honored that people have called me to fill in. Hey, can you fill in? Can you fill in? Can you fill in? And I love doing that, and I say, I, I try and say yes every time because not only do I love to play, but I love supporting other local church bodies with worship yep. in fact yep. i've been working with the church the past couple months um a great guy um it's actually it's, it's jordan's church oh, yeah, uh, omar yeah. you know and he's a great guy and he's kind of asked me to help kind of like advise just in, in, in my experience when i can you to help i wouldn't be able to do that if i was in some other big you know that's right uh, production traveling the world but instead i'm able to support this guy one-on-one on a much more intimate level and that's great, you know. But I have to change my perspective, and that's what's yes, so that's difficult. Oh, it's yeah. so hard, man. Because I just, ever since I was a kid, I just, I just want to play music. Like, that's all I want to do. You know, you give me drumming for the rest of my life, recording, producing, all that stuff. I'm, I'm content. At least, at least I think I'm content anyway. Who, who right. knows if, if you actually, actually did it? Right? Who, who really
1: knows? Um, but well, yeah, yeah. Like any, like Christians in general, like, you know, we need to have. If we have, kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know. A servant-hearted attitude, where we're looking to serve and support um, the work that God is doing in His people and through His people in general. You know, you know, you can then begin to see, okay, you know, for you in particular, you know, a unique opportunity you have to serve not just a particular church, but the local churches in your whole area and even beyond. I got you up here in New York, right? So that's a unique um, gift that you can give to the church as a whole. And I think if musicians had that that's kind of the attitude I think we all need to have to some degree but maybe in particular people who are highly gifted or highly called or you know artists maybe in general where they really see it as how can I serve you know so again maybe this isn't my primary outlet right. for my right. desires or my career even right. you know because how many musicians are actually paid in the church setting Right, as if that's their career. Usually, it's just the worship leader, if that, aka, not many drummers. That's right. <laughs> so, but again, seeing it okay, but no, I have this unique ability to serve the church and maybe help to raise the musicianship or train up other musicians. And, um, and just having that attitude, whether it's in a, in a specific body or like you're saying, your experience many. Churches. Yeah.
0: I call myself a a drumming apostle right now. That's kind of what I have been, you know, just kind of going around and supporting because I mean, over the years living in South Jersey, you just develop connections over time and every now and then someone calls you to fill in because they're they're down a drummer or they need help with something and you say, "Yeah, of course I'll do that." You know, because it gives you a chance to play, yep. but also because you get the support. So, it's definitely been it's been a, it's been fun and I'm I'm grateful for it and we know some amazing people even in in, in the East Coast area that that's it's, it's worth it playing with them but you know to, it's definitely a challenge because when you see YouTube when you see these videos you're like oh I just want I want that but you have to really recenter yourself and say God well what do you want and I have to yeah. trust that if you give me certain desires that there's a reason you've given them to me so how do I take them and use them locally you know um, but really quick, going back to one thought I had before we get ready to wrap up, it's almost been an hour, if you can believe it. Wow. I know time really flies. I, I feel like really, we just like scratched the surface of oh, this man. topic.
1: There's so much more I want to say. I know,
0: I know there is. And, uh, I mean, I'll have to come back. That's all it comes down to, you know, <laughs> but something that I want to, I want to hit, um, in the same vein, but on a different, a different topic a little bit is I re- what I have the hardest time with by 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 far, is I have a hard time with the performance aspect we 've made a Sunday morning to be, and what I mean by that is a combination of these these concert atmospheres um along with like a stage that that supports that kind of feel where the audience is looking straight onto a band and kind yes. of almost watching and i used to i mean I used to be really. Outspoken and kind of just like fed up with that mentality because I, in my head, Jesus should be enough for any Sunday morning gathering period. We don't need to dress him up with these crazy lights and. You know, and all the money that goes towards i mean that 's a lot of money, intelligent lights you know and those oh, are yeah. for, for people who don't know what those are the intelligent lights are the lights that you see that kind of move around like crazy and they spin around and they they follow do whatever the music yeah, they follow the music yeah. they're a lot of money, and they are cool for sure, but I always think, do I need this to be on a Sunday morning, but I want to give two examples of one one uh church that I saw that being kind of used in a worshipful sense and then another another way I saw it not using that sense as well um so the first way I, I that kind of changed my perspective on this was I was actually down at um at Matt and Becca's church yes, that was the first uh you know my, my first kind of reality wake-up call to maybe not everyone that I'm lumping this this uh, this stereotype into is accurate and I, I went down there for like a like a, a, a retreat thing like a I guess, uh, like a conference. Yeah. Conference. Yeah. I'm thinking concert, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a conference, uh, concert. It was a conference. And I get there and it's a typical big, big church, huge production. I'm just like, here we go. You know, I roll my eyes already. My heart's hard, you know, so already you can tell how wrong I am already. <laughs> typical Tim Whitaker. Right. Um, and in the beginning, beginning I was just so against it. I'm like, all I could think about was, oh my gosh, the money it takes to do this stuff and you just the production and you know, I'm just, it was probably, honestly, probably a mix of jealousy along with just some resentment of like, why is this happening for worship? I don't get it. But as I was there and I got to meet the people and I can see that they just genuinely, genuinely loved God like crazy, um, I started really rethinking like, well, okay, so what am I really, what am I judging? Am I judging the hearts of men or am I judging what? Like the outpouring of that, and I noticed that the guys who were like in charge of like kind of like coordinating the lights because they had a, they had intelligent lights and everything. Yep. I could tell by looking at them and what they were doing during the concert. This was like or the um, the worship. This was really their their worship. Like they took pride. In coordinating lights that went along with the music, that's how they expressed. Like the the, it's almost like in my head or in their head, the lights weren't meant for the congregation more than they were just kind of meant for God. You know, right. kind of like to, cel- to, celebra- to celebrate celebration <laughs> of who, who he
1: way, is. Orchestration of the music might be yes, an expression of that. Yes, exactly.
0: Right? And I, I never saw it that way before because I always just figured that, because I've only ever seen it used in the context of, well, let's dress up what we're doing and kind of make it more fun, a more fun atmosphere for people. I never saw it in the sense of, well, what if I'm doing this because this is how I show my worship to God? Kind of like almost as if an artist was painting a picture on the stage, yep. but was doing it to worship you know, their creator with the talent that they were given. So that was really a big game changer for me um, as far as how I perceived those things. On the other side of that, I was at a different church, totally, uh, it was random. I was in Illinois, actually, and um, I decided, I was, during that time, I, I was uh, kind of in the moment of, well, I'm going to go visit, just, just, I was there for almost a month, so I said, every week I'll visit a different church. So there was one church in particular that caught my eye because the slogan was doing church differently. I'm like, oh, I got to go and check this out, thinking, how are they doing it differently? So I, I get there, and it, it was in a pretty big like strip mall. They kind of they gutted the whole place out. It was like one of those kinds of yep, yep. church buildings, and huge um i walk in i sit down you know and there's really no one there until about you know five minutes before it starts and i i counted just 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 me being cynical and you know, i count there's like there's like probably about, probably about 25 intelligent lights on the very top of the stage i just point down wow and the band starts and i'm looking around and the atmosphere atmosphere of this one was not worship it was almost like a concert people were just staring headlong just watching this show that happened, and my heart, like, my spirit was just so thick, and it was so heavy, because I'm thinking, oh, mm-hmm. like, this is the idea of doing church differently, a, a bigger concert with more members, and uh, it was just, it was all the show with none of the heart, um, and the person who spoke, I mean, it was about, like the, even the message was about finding the one for you, and I think, I literally, I think the word Jesus was mentioned about once or twice, it was just so, like, New agey, kind of like, you know, it's all about you and how can you plug in and how can you find your calling? Yep. Things that maybe are part of the gospel life but are never the center. This yep. church kind of put it front and center. So I kind of had like this this experience where I saw one side of, of like, you know, a more production-oriented service that really was, I mean, everyone was just so worshipful and just wanted to praise God with everything they had, even the people who were doing the sound and doing the lights. Yeah. Then I had the other experience of, hey, this is a show, and this is how we attract people in, and how can you find you know, your calling here and come find out what God has in store for you, just that very you-focused uh, mentality. Um, and it was really amazing, the difference, because even at that conference in Kentucky at Matt and Becca's church, yep. their big focus was, their question was, do you really know Jesus? I'm like, wow, that's a great question to ask for for people who have grown up in church their whole life. Yep. And that, that's, a, again, a whole, a whole other topic. Yep. Versus this Sunday morning service of, well, how can you find your calling? How can you find your healing? Things that maybe are true, but can never be the center of the gospel faith. So yes. I thought that was very interesting, seeing very similar physical outpourings, but with two totally different hearts behind them. And even the way my spirit resonated within those different contexts were, were just so night and day. It was It was pretty... I think uh, for me, very shaking in a good way. It kind of really rattled me a little bit and had me kind of check my own heart and be like, "Okay, yeah. Tim, I think that you've just kind of been cynical for the sake of being cynical." And I think a lot of it came out of that heart of wanting what I couldn't have um, or being envious of other people, which really is a terrible thing to, to right, admit. But for anyone, yeah. but it's the human heart, and it's my heart in, in the moment, and something I still have to fight against. So,
1: well, and that's such a great picture there of the two kind of the two ways that the same expression, you know, because we all know that or we should realize that many of the methods that the church uses are not prescribed in the Bible. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, they change with time, they change with culture and that that's kind of built into the way that God set it up and that there's a flexibility in the church and in, and even not, not the message of the church. Right. That's what's consistent. Right. But the methods that the church uses do change with time uh, and technology and uh, culture, even, Yeah. you know, church, even a large church here in America is going to look very different, by definition, than a large church, maybe even a larger church somewhere else in the world, where just uh, you know the the culture is different, the technological aspects of things are different. So, uh, but you, that's a great dichotomy that you showed there in those two, because and just that making the point that it is at the end of the day, music in the church needs to be glorifying to God in its beauty and its excellence, its creativity. So that should be a goal. A goal. You know, we're not going to, it's kind of, you know, do the best with what we have kind of excellence, not in we have a certain standard necessarily to reach, but really working at our craft and trying to Absolutely. Adjust. But then also realizing that this has a role to play too in the corporate gathering. and And, you know, we sometimes talk about Worship and thinking about music in particular, as for God. And yes, it is. It obviously is to Him and for His glory. Sure. But it also, in the Bible, there's a strong role of that celebration, that uh, gathering time that it's for the people too. And so, so when that, that performance-oriented mentality more... So performance-oriented mentality even more than performance in its production... Because you can have a produ- a production that is a performance, in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything on a stage is right. a nature performance. Right. Anything that has that level of quality to it is a performance in one sense. But if the heart behind it is that it's for the people and it's to inspire the people and to draw the people in, um, that should be part a big part of our goal, no matter what, is both this idea, yes, of excellence and beauty... And creativity, but also serving the people and connecting people to their creator through music and through and to each other as well. That's why we sing together. I make it a point when I'm leading worship a lot to remind everybody that you know, you're not singing alone. Right. You're not you're not here alone. Right. You're with this body. And yeah. There's a reason for that because it's it's us yeah. as the body of Christ. Yeah. It's, you know, and we are worshiping him. There's just great power in that. That's why a huge gathering with tons of people where we can, you know, when in the mood, there's lots of people that are at a heart level engaged with God. That's why that's so powerful. You couple something with the power of music with, you know, the hearts of maybe thousands of people that are tied together through that music. Yes. And it's really powerful. But those two, we can't lose sight of either of those things, serving the church, the body, whatever size that is, serving that well and the purposes of worship and music in worship, but also of recognizing we have a we have a responsibility to reflect God well in how we pursue that too, and that includes creativity and beauty and excellence.
0: Well, I even think about um, you know even you know even personally seeing your journey, Jesse, from um, how you've grown even musically coming from um, South Jersey to up here. Um, you know, when I played with you at the Half Moon campus, um, totally different player, I feel like, than what I'm playing with now as far as comfortability, just as uh, locking into the click and, and you know, and uh, knowing certain notes to hit musically and just, you, I mean, just that certain confidence that comes with someone who's playing on that level. Um, and the, the good thing, why, in my opinion, why that's important is that you're able to get out of the way. For people to worship and I've definitely been that drummer who's been feel crazy and feel heavy and you've been through me, you've been through <laughs> it with a lot of that, uh, that I've had to kind of suffer through. And it, unfortunately it made other people suffer through as well, but there's a, a moment you kind of hit a maturity you hit as a musician where you say, you know what? Sunday morning. In fact, that genre, that worshipful genre where people are engaging with you, you have to kind of get out of the way and you have to do less is more, but you have to be very clear and articulate yep. with what you're going to hit and when you're going to do it to, Um, kind of um, to sustain and to kind of walk the congregation through what's going on. So either way, you, I mean, we all know the guitarists who see their Sunday morning as their big Van Halen moment. Mm-hmm. We also know the guitarists that can't hit half the chords, and they're equally distracting. So you can be distracting yep. on either end of, of the spectrum. True. That It's so important to know the role of a musician on, on a Sunday morning when you're leading that congregation, because that's a whole different role than it would be on um, on a Friday night at a concert with the band that you wrote some music with. There's t- totally true. two different focuses. One is kind of purposefully at a concert showing off, and in. Enjoying just showing people what you can do and letting them kind of engage the show. But a Sunday morning, the focus really isn't so much you as it is how do I get the congregation to engage as a group, um, as a group, and also with their Creator at once, and how do I aid in that and not distract from that? Yep, which is tough.
1: It is hard, and some of the ways we've at times set things up work a little bit to our disadvantage. Yes. Being on a stage, having yes. this production value. And that's why it's important, especially for people who are in that kind of a setting, to have those uh, bigger picture themes in mind and also to recognize that their challenges are different. Their, their challenges are to not lose sight of the heart of it, to not lose sight of the people, to not lose sight of their role as a leader, that if nobody's coming with them, they're not doing right. a very good job leading, Right. Um, not lose sight of those things in the midst of trying also to pursue great quality music. Well,
0: I also think about just the musical challenge for all the musicians out there who are listening to this. You know, the challenge for me with my personal band Red Sea Affair was was kind of, you know, um interpreting what Anthony would do yep. and then making it palatable just to me and to whoever listens to it on just on just a fun level you know there's a song that we did that, that that's in seven but my job was to make it so you can nod your head to it right also hard to do right yeah <laughs> it's amazing what, what what some four on the four can do you know but but anyway you know that that's one challenge and also it, it's also keeping up technically how do I keep up with what he's doing and how do I kind of get my fills in and and aid the song but also kind of be a little bit fancier, because I can, and it's all about the band. As opposed to uh worship setting, the challenge as a drummer specifically is, how do I play the parts that are needed? Um, how do I be dynamic without being... Uh, distracting. How do I um, be creative without being distracting? And how do I play less is more? And that's been a huge challenge for me, <clears throat> on a personal level. Is how do I, you know, how do I just hit some toms instead of all the toms on certain parts? And when I'm building, how do I do that right? So my point is though, is that it's two different challenges completely. Um, when you're in a musical worship setting on a Sunday morning, as opposed to when you're in your personal band, it's a whole different set. Of 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 uh, of skills you need, which is why a lot of rock musicians don't translate well at first into the worship setting because they've been so used to being super loud and super um, kind of in your face about certain things, and you know, and just kind of um technical and, and really flashy because they're used to that performance but in worship it's the opposite it's the opposite so yep anyway we are way over our time i decided <laughs> to just let this go because who cares it's our podcast right. you know but i mean we went a good almost 15 minutes over and i again i feel like we're just scratching the surface jesse i'll have to come back that, that i guess that, that, that that's what it that's means right so we'll
1: skype or something
0: yeah definitely um Well, everyone who listened and hung in there, um, especially those of you non-musicians, thank you for listening. And I hope we weren't too over your head as far as some of the technical words or just musician words that we were using. But um, to all the musicians out there, I hope that this was somewhat enlightening and you're definitely not alone in church struggles because it's stuff that... Um, a lot of us have thought about, and I know that Jesse and I, we even represent a bigger group of people who we have these discussions with all the time. So right. you're definitely not alone in the tension and in the wrestling and all those things. So continue on, and um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. So, to everyone listening today, you can check out our podcast on the uh, Coffee Theology in Jesus.com website that my friend Rob made. Uh, it's also on iTunes. If you like the podcast, please share it because that would be awesome and really appreciative so I think that's it for today Jesse any final words from uh, from you? thanks for having me Tim. No, fun. yeah definitely a lot of fun and uh, we will talk to you guys soon thanks so much task is quite simple